I just fly by night with when it comes to food a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I actually would never leave chicken out because I would never be touching raw chicken under any circumstance. Really? I don't I don't like handling meat and chicken is the one like chicken is my kryptonite. Justin, make a note of that. Yes. Raw chicken is <laughs> kryptonite. I just pl- played through the scenario in my head where you and I or I spend the $9 to get you know, like a thing of chicken thighs, uncooked chicken thighs, and leave it on the main counter at work if I know Django's about to be there. (laughs) And I thought it would be a good joke, but I actually don't think... I think he would go from, like, I don't care to kind of funny, but actually probably would put him quicker in the pissed off section than I, than that point, anything we're just harassing him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of you motherfuckers come in here and clean this up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that we would get like a, Feeling good, sharp, sharp dressed man, red right hand. Um, <laughs> uh, to quote Cody Walker, not quoting him. We're lost in the weeds already. Talking about Batman and Robin number eleven, Grant Morrison and our friend on art, Justin, Andy Clark, Andy Clark, who we've become pretty fond of. I love him. The lines. I, I love him. I love the lines. I love it. So I spoiled Justin's reveal. I'm Jeff. That's Justin. Hi. I'm Roman. I'm Django. Satan. And I love, love having Django and his blood wall on these particular <laughs> issues, right? There's a lot Give of Satan a, a stuff in here. Scene. Hey, I have a question. Get it. Uh, page one, panel two. Do you think this is all just El Petitente slash Dr. Hurt? Like, is this just he's mad about that butt crack he has on his neck? You look at this panel two. <laughs> like, that's that's just that's the, the seed of the, the whole thing. It's just God damn it, I have a butt crack on my neck and he just can't acknowledge it. So the Thomas Wayne from the 1760s that we learn is, is Dr. Hurd is actually a dude who even in the 1760s was like, damn, my neck looks like a butt. Yep. I got to learn how to live forever to just work this <laughs> yeah. muscle out. Yep. Is that, is that this issue that we learned that? That Dr. Hurt is Thomas Wayne? From the 1760s? We've been getting glimpses of it i don't i don't think that he is i think he is a lot of things like we've talked about him being kind of an embodiment of dark side we brought that up quite a while ago of just Mm -hmm. like you know his birth caused the ruination of a human being the same way that turpin did when dark side became him but there is this you know they they compare him at one point in this issue to or they're talking about the thomas wayne of 1760s i I don't think we ever get a full definition of it dr hurt is like three different main things yeah mm-hmm. but I, I i feel comfortable saying that he is the expelled satanist wayne that we learned about in batman and robin <laughs> 10 yeah that they don't talk about that has sort of made a deal with the devil and become eternal yeah Django is uh floats in the same circles as him Django, do you have a butt crack on your neck <laughs> you'll never know because i only wear turtlenecks <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's only wearing turtlenecks ever um i'm on to you bud this issue starts with a scene, uh, Dr. Hurt, it's Thomas Wayne, El Penitente, painful Silas, da-, da Vinci Code guy, doing some flagellating, and then heading back to 
Gotham, but the most exciting stuff that we get is Dick Grayson, Dick Bats in the, the hidden caves of Wayne Manor, exploring some stuff while Alfred tells him about the battle that's going on in the graveyard between Oberon Sexton and Damien and the 99 fiends who have showed up on behalf of El Penitente. Dick finds some cool things. He finds a stalactite carved as a human being, which is, you know, embodying Barbados. We have an artistic question I have to ask you guys about later on that has plagued me for years and years. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, we get, we get some more, some more stuff about the, the sort of hidden catacomb Satan stuff of the bat, the bat manner. And I'm very excited to talk to everybody about it, but I want to talk at first about captain slaps his back, Thomas Wayne, Dr. Hurt, Barbados, whatever, (laughs) the penitent one on the first page here. Hurt and all things. The hurt and all things. <laughs> um, fucking good. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll pause. Oh. At the end of... We, we got a voice recording um, on Wednesday, Django, for the last episode that we did for Return of Bruce Wayne from Will Elmer. And in it, he talked about how he had been sort of staggering his issue reading to be with the podcast. Mm-hmm. But right around this point, he just like couldn't do it anymore. And he caved and read the whole second omnibus. Nice. And just like got super into it. And that's the effect that I'm feeling right now for the last like five days, like starting with Batman and Robin number 10 with the return of Bruce Wayne stuff. I'm just so jacked about all of this. This is like, you know, the high octane full throttle portion of this run for me, where there's just these mysteries and these questions that are so exciting and they create so many possible answers inside of my head as I'm reading it, that it just like propels me forward. How is, how is that um, idea falling into everyone else's grok hole? I really like that uh, this time I'm reading these in the order that the story should probably be read in, mm-hmm. which is Return of Bruce Wayne, Batman and Robin, Return of Bruce Wayne, Batman and Robin. Right. Because I think originally I read all of the Batman and Robin issues before I even knew that the Bruce Wayne issues, the Return of Bruce Wayne issues existed. And uh, I, I like that this perspective, having having them, the, the two comics play off of each other helps the story quite a bit. It feels like we're always on the cusp of like a cool revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I kind of consider this arc, you know, it is three pieces where the the cemetery fight and all this stuff with Andy Clark, but it also leads kind of straight in to the closing arc of Batman and Robin. So to me, it's like a six issue extended one arc, but these three issues with Andy Clark that leads up to the kind of final act is my favorite part like that just the way they rack it up tension and like how important it feels and how tense the whole thing feels it feels like things are speeding up in a way that's unsustainable and that kind of rush that adrenaline rush you know is like what i what i imagine jacking off with a paper bag or a plastic bag over your head feels like i have to talk about jacking off for a second as well because another thing (laughs) that happens in this issue is that we get to see a reveal which is Deathstroke shows up and I've always just sort of associated that term with getting a hand job from Roman. <laughs> Deathstroke? Yeah, yeah. that grip. It's that it's that yeah, that pincer grip of his. Um, I went from a 3D to 2D just <laughs> This I I really love the first page of this. I love Dr. Hurt's 
carved W in his head and the scars from beating himself. But I really he's like. A weirdo. He's a weirdo. He's <laughs> like, you know, he needs or probably has a blood room. But you can see the sign of the W, the mark of the shadow, the dark twin. And I just love that Morrison thing of like, what can I do with a W? Like Wayne, a W? <laughs> well, it's a double you the double version of oneself the mark of the shadow the dark twin he is the dark thomas wayne which is batman's father who's impersonating him there's so much like the light shadow doubling of identity that happens there and to be able to just sort of like casually be like well wayne starts with a w and if you break that word down it's two u's like it's just that's uh does he do that with every letter of the alphabet he's gotta he's gotta have a journal right of like a lot of them are symmetric symmetrical metaphors for every alphabetical letter that there could be in case he ever needs to do a thing like that. But I, I really liked that bit. I love the shot of just the bloody whip hanging out on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Roman, what do you do to clean those? Grip them real tight. Yeah, you got to do each individual strand and wipe them down. You know, from hilt, hilt to tip. Hilt to tip is the best way. Dr. Cody Walker is we're now affectionately referring to him as because... <laughs> Maybe one time I heard maybe <laughs> Roman say refer to him as Dr. Cody Walker, but I actually really liked his explanation for the small bit of Dr. Hurt dialogue that happens there. Roman, I'm not sure if you checked in with Dr. Cody Walker. Uh, no, not for this issue. I haven't. No. Okay. Well, he says that Roman is Dr. Cody Walker. That's 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 the guy that wrote the Batman of Zuranar. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the anatomy of Zuranar one. But um, as he's talking, as Dr. Hurt's talking about the double U, the mark of the shadow, the double twin, he he goes into a slight interesting thing about how dr hurt is talking to a priest here and he's trying to have the priest absolve him of his sins so that he can go commit further atrocities mm-hmm. which cody s- says is interesting because if he were the devil he wouldn't necessarily need to be absolved of his sins unless this is the most devilish act that there is which he's just trying to get a priest to sort of betray his oath and absolve this guy of his sins in the final moments of his life, right before he gets kind of tricked into being killed by these bullets. Huh. And I liked both explanations for that. Like why would Dr. Hurt need to be absolved from his sins if he's not the devil, or maybe he is the devil. And it's just like, as he's leaving here, he wants to just sort of create a mockery of a priest's life. And that seemed like an even, even more evil manipulation that uh, was only befitting of Dr. Hurt. Yeah. I like that. And I also like that. He's like, you know, the devil is, his biggest sin is the sin of vainglory or what gets called pride. But originally it was the vanity to reject God. And I like that in this, he's like, Thomas Wayne is super vain. Like I failed once. So I have to like beat myself and treat myself like a sinner from failing from Bruce Wayne. Like he's got that like horrendously toxic ego. Um, And so when he's like beating himself, like, I think that, you know, he's just like, I failed. I can't believe I failed the one time when the Joker's failed a lot. You know, he he just like thinks he's the ultimate evil thing. And the fact that he didn't beat Batman the first encounter, he's like, you know, that's what this whole penance trip is about is he's, he's got one hell of an ego, this guy. I lost and I got to take him down. I really like just the gorgeous shot of all the DEA agents raiding, you know, El Penitente's wherever home in in the islands and it just has like a you know narcos feel or whatever like we're in colombia we got dea agents raiding this like drug compound and i I, I really like that because or was there some stuff with those drugs like did dr hurt set this up so this would happen like did the drugs that he's trafficking 
into Gotham, they get traced and caught here. Don't remember the specifics of it, but I do think that like the Mexican train, the like drugs, the flamingo, a lot of that stuff did kind of allude to like a, a, a you know some bad drug stuff happening, or maybe the DEA agents have just separately figured that stuff out and gone on a raid. I don't think that he organized it. I think that it's just the byproduct of like his criminal empire, because I do think that when he's not in Gotham, he is also sort of fostering a criminal empire. For sure. It's just like, uh, you know, in Twin Peaks, there's like the Laura Palmer story. And then there's mm-hmm. all the stuff with like the lodge and the land and like the hotel. And you, we, a lot of people put so much emphasis on like the murder of Laura Palmer and stuff. And you forget that there's like this whole crime kind of syndicate, like people fucking that, like, that's a whole holistic story. Right. Like, that's like, I just missed the whole part of what the hell Dr. Hurt's other game plan with the Mexican train and the flamingo. Like there's something going on with all of that, but I have not connected it to the larger dirty, dirty crime Lord stuff. Yeah. The thing that I want some opinions on is that when Dick is down in the cave and he's standing there looking at the giant painted words of Barbados with Thomas written all over, he says, how come the paints knew within a year, maybe? Yeah. So this cave we think, you know, is maybe Batman's first bat cave. Cause we know that those, we know that those caves were used back when the Miyagani tribe was doing bat stuff. And we also know that Thomas Wayne performed satanic rituals so that space, you know, we'd kind of talked about maybe was both. It's the first Batcave, but it's also where these rituals were happening. But what would have been happening within the last year to cause that paint to be there? Well, the paint, well, I, t- I read it as the paint is fresh because, or is only a year old, because even though Bruce in the body of Thomas back in the 1700s must have painted it, Back in the 1700s, it's only actually existed then when he painted it, and now when Dick finds it. Right. So you rearranging the past. It hasn't actually existed in, in all those decades in between. Right. Okay. So, and that's kind of we talked about two episodes ago, which is this type of a time travel story is kind of doing where the the present is changing as the past is changing. So, like these underground mm-hmm. facilities didn't exist beforehand but you know kind of reality is shifting around his actions so you think it's wet because it actually has only just been created even though technically it would have been hundreds of years yeah yeah i I think it's part of like batman saying at the end of that issue which we haven't read yet that he's creating his own his own new myth okay i think that also is supported by the fact that the justice league knows when batman is but they show up too late like there's Mm -hmm. no way booster gold couldn't have shown up 10 minutes earlier Unless there was some sort of disconnect where the things that Bruce does are only happening kind of within his own timeline. Oh, because Booster would be able to know exactly when to go back to at that yeah, point. Why didn't because, they get in the okay. bubble and go back 10 minutes, guys? I, I forget that Django's also kind of a Booster Gold expert. I'm a big, I'm a big Booster head. Big blue and gold head. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it is like these events are showing up now in the present because the past is changing. And so since Bruce, with only in the last year, he's been dead, he's moving through his own subjective experience of time and modifying this stuff. I, my read of it is like this cave system actually never, like Bruce and before he got killed by Darkseid, wasn't aware of these caves at all. Right. 
you know, right. like and, they were always under there, but never explored or used. Until. And they even say at some point in here, like, yeah, Bruce must have known about this. And it's like, I doubt he knew about it. I bet that he acted with agency in the past and therefore created them. But yeah, like it is that assumption that he knew, knew about them. And that's why I just love time travel stories. They're so that, good. That was why the other, the other day I was trying to watch The Butterfly Effect is because our first Batman Robin story, we were talking about time travel stories. I was like, yeah, I really like them. And so I was like, maybe I'll revisit that one that was too scary for me to watch as a kid. And Django, <laughs> spoilers, it's too scary for me to watch as an adult also. <laughs> Yeah, Ashton really Kutcher's a scary outside. little boy. Yeah, it's just a really depressing movie. So um, depressing. Th- so the, not not to change that that theory. Yeah, yeah. But is it possible that Doctor Hurt was down there? In that's the last what my year? that's what my question was. Was like, do we think it's either time travel happening and shifting it, um, or do we think that he was down there practically doing it because? I like the read that reality is shifting around the past, but I could also create an argument for the, the idea that even if he had done it and painted that in the past, that the paint would have dried because yeah, it didn't exist 10 minutes ago because it hadn't happened in the past, but it happened in a way where it would have been there for 200 years and would have dried. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, Why would he be writing his name? in a cave where Batman's wards could find it. Because he's a little... Uh, I don't... Maybe yeah, he's really. doing a satanic ritual down there within the last year, possibly. Mm. That's interesting. I, I don't think it's... I didn't think it was Dr. Hurt. I thought it was Bruce in the original Thomas's body. Giving and, the, and the paint's dry. Dick just says it's, it's, it's new. Okay. It's only about a year old. So, Roman, you've read the next issue. Do you see Bruce in Thomas's body do that? I haven't read the next issue since it came out back okay. whenever it came out. <laughs> okay. Cool. But Bruce is embodying the bodies of his descendants. In each yeah, one. he's traveling forward through time yeah. in his ancestors' bodies. And writing their names on his school binder. Yeah. yeah, so then do you think the motive for writing Barbados and Thomas in here, in his ancestors' body, would have been to leave a clue for everyone that says Thomas is Barbados or is in, in game with the devil? Yeah, yeah I think so. So then why does he then find a Barbados statue down there? Oh, Dick, yeah, Dick finds out after that scene, right? Yeah. It's after that scene. It's a couple pages. He runs down the railway that's down there, oh, the corpse right. road. The corpse road. And, and he finds that. So it does feel like, you know, on some level, maybe that's the Miyagani tribe. Dry, right. You know, yeah. The Satanists were or the bat Satanists, like Thomas Wayne's cult did use this space. And so I feel like this, they carved Barbados there as like a idol worship thing. And Bruce then goes and puts Thomas Wayne as Barbados as that. And cause he's like, his consciousness is embodying that body. Mm-hmm. But I think that this was the original space under the Wayne Manor where evil Thomas Wayne made his pact with the devil. And okay. so this is like where all of that bat cult shit happens in this complex cave system. And it's the same cave that caveman Batman was in last time. And like I was saying, there's kind of a temporal ancestral gravity. Like all this bat shit Mm -hmm. happens here because it did in the past and will. Right. And, you know, and so I feel like the, that stuff is there is kind of the, the religious part. Cause it looks like there was masses held. There's like, right. The chairs. Yeah. I feel like there's a, a lifelong legacy of bat cultists going here. 
Um, and that's just one of the accoutrement of, you know, when you got to go pray to a bat Barbados, you, you go and look at that weird, uh, Batman guy. And so, um, I feel like the paint is new because Bruce as, as Thomas was like, Hey, this is, this is it. This is the key for Dick to find. Right. I, I feel comfortable with both those ideas right now. And I, I don't necessarily feel like one is clearly right in classic Morrison fashion, but I feel comfortable with those two kind of competing ideas. If it was Bruce, I could see why he would have done it. If it was Thomas, I could see why he would have done it in the last year. Was um, anybody else disappointed when Dick said, I'm going to see what happens when I stand on this bat symbol. And then we don't get to see what happens when he stands on the bat symbol. I kind of assumed nothing happened, but I, yeah, is he relating because the rose symbol collapsed in the previous one? No, yeah, I'm we just didn't thinking get... like he stands there and it sinks down and brings him down to the corpse road or whatever. That's what yeah, you're right. That's probably the assumption because he does get down to a new level. I really like, you know, the mystery of this of like, as he's going through those cases, he's like, I see a light up there, Alfie. Like the, the staggered communication between Alfred and Dick as he's down there and we don't get to see what Dick finds or what he experiences. And then he comes out of the grave with that, you know, the small case with the bat on it from the ancestors picture. Yeah. And he's all beat up and we don't get to see like how, how he got, it's like, it's like watching Indiana Jones movie and he comes out and he's all trash, but you never got to see the action. I love you it. Guys, do you think that uh, Dick goes through seven levels of basement here? Seven <laughs> levels of hell? Boy, that'd be cool. Yeah, is there, let's see, what there, there's like the room, there's like the underground railroad, there's, there's the cave. Like, well, I mean, metaphorical levels or literal levels? Like, I, I wonder if there's not literal, like seven, seven literal levels that he goes down between this issue and the last issue. We're going to have to read the next one to find out. That's Sorry, John. No, I think that that's a really good observation and want to go back and count because that's because <laughs> we're the, the 99 game. fiends were like descending there is a lot of like demonic overtone mm -hmm. and if sure. there's only six uh it's probably just something that happened off panel and you can assume that there's a set <laughs> exactly <laughs> motherfucker i just love all the setup the feeling that this issue has where you're just on the cusp of revelation the whole time mm -hmm. and i think that this arc and Return of Bruce Wayne does that incredibly well. Like, it just makes you feel like you're about to, like, you are with Dick in this, and you're just like, what are we about to find? Like, what what is beyond that door? Okay, it's a statue. What's that statue doing? Okay, well, what's that light that he sees? Well, let's run towards it. What? Well, now he's coming out of a grave. What? I, I just, there's so much exciting mystery and revelation baked into these issues that I can see why Will around this time would have just been like, bam, I gotta, I gotta read this. I can't mm -hmm. patient this out. Yeah, these issues like set my life on fire when I was 18 reading them. Like I was just obsessed and wanted to know and was on the internet and rereading them. And I believe there was a delay between this issue and the next. Because in that time I had moved to Bellingham in between those. And was like, How, what happens if I don't get that issue? I got to find a comic book shop. Thank God Comics Place was there. And Roman. But, and Roman. It's when I first <laughs> set eyes on that badger loaf. <laughs> did these issues when they were coming out, did they come out? staggered like this in the proper reading order but i think that like return of bruce wayne was taking longer to come out or something mm -hmm. so it caused the yeah. whole thing to slow down and i, I think okay. that it yeah i actually looked at the publication order for return of bruce wayne one and i forget the the final issue of return of bruce wayne came out in early december i think, or I think it's the november issue right and i think that it started in like may i think that the first issue of return of bruce wayne was may so i mean 
So about seven months for those six issues to come out. I, it, it definitely slowed things down. Yeah, it, yeah I know um, I definitely didn't track it as well back then. And I'm wondering if I missed a story every now and then. <laughs> so weird thing. When Alfred tells Dick that he, that Oberon and Damien are out fighting in the graves, mm-hmm. D- Dick says, he says, Sexton, question mark, next bubble, ha, both letters lowercase and the next bubble is back to full caps i think i found your corpse road alfie seems like dick does know something there he's got a little knowing chuckle yeah which i don't which i don't know if he knows something or if he just finds that amusing because he the because on the same damien's just such a little jerk he's gonna make sexton's life hell (laughs) yeah well there's there's yeah maybe that there i just can't help but wonder does damien or does dick know but who yeah, Oberyn is. Yeah, maybe he I, knows. I wouldn't get that from that. I yeah. would I would expect him to react differently knowing who Sexton, if he knew who Sexton was, oh. not being so hot about yeah, it. Yeah, he'd be more like, oh shit. <laughs> get yeah. Damien out of there. Hmm. Right. I, yeah, I like the relationship. I like Oberyn fitting into all of this stuff. And I, it's just such a good mystery. And... I remember at this point I was like, okay, is Oberyn Bruce having gone through all this stuff that we're going to learn about? And he is in the present now. So when Damien does say, like, as they're beating stuff up Mm -hmm. and, you know, he finds the domino on the 99 fiends and, and he says, yeah, are you Bruce Wayne? And I just love the phrasing of that question. I love the vulnerability with which he has there. Like he's, you know, he's, your accent is fake. Something's not right. The way you appeared, what you just did are you Bruce Wayne? He doesn't say dad. Like he, you know, it's still this distance of like, are you Bruce Wayne? I think he's more comfortable with Dick Grayson as a dad figure than he would be with Bruce Wayne as a dad figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like that vulnerability to that scene. And also the fact that at my first reaction to it was like, geez, come on, Damien. I mean, this guy's obviously this guy is more slender than Bruce right. Wayne. Where's your detective skills? And it's like, it's because he's vulnerable and he's, emotional wondering where his dad is and that's why he ignores like i would think what would be an obvious clue like that just the different body types yeah well isn't this the first time that uh uh damien has kind of admitted that maybe bruce is alive like hasn't uh the previous uh, issue is when he is like asking dick like do you think my dad's alive if he comes back what will happen to us and that's when dick is like you know like would he put up with you the way that i do and that really bothers damien so it it is definitely roman had said yeah roman had said like it is a thing that he has to process for a while Mm -hmm. you know the vulnerability that happens with with that i also think damien's a very good detective like i think dick is constantly correcting him through this run on like hey you need to slow down you need to look at things and damien constantly says how bored he is Mm. at detective work so i think he's like you know i do love the amount of detective work that he does to incorrectly get to argue bruce wayne so actually i think your statement is even more accurate you know in my brain in my brain i was like he's doing some good detective work but no you're right he does some good detective work to come to a you know a fallacy conclusion but he's saying like you're supposed to be a writer from england but i have a real good gift for imitating voices and your accent is fake you know like i i love his intelligence demonstrated there yeah i also sorry please please i I have a showing that he's 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 practicing detective skills and i love the fact that he doesn't 
realize in that vulnerability that if this isn't Bruce Wayne, you just revealed a major clue to somebody that you don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. Because that somebody, if he's smart, be, and Sexton is a detective, so Sexton should be wondering, if he's not Bruce Wayne, hmm, why is Robin asking about Bruce Wayne? Right. And hmm. <laughs> Which is well, maybe they are why in the Wayne would... Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. The cover for this issue is Oberyn standing next to Damien by the unimpeachable Frank Quitely. But in the back of these uh, write-ups, Morrison has a just a little bubble about every cover in it. And in this issue, Robin comes to suspect that the enigmatic Oberyn Sexton might actually be, be, be Bruce Wayne. So we decided to echo the cover of Batman and Robin number one in a way that would emphasize the close connection of Batman and Robin's new partner. So it is the opposite cover of Batman and Robin yeah. number one of those two standing next to each other, but now their, their positions have been reversed. And I just love that. And it recalls, I do too. It's a beautiful cover. And, it, and it, seeing this again reminded me when it came out, it made, it threw me off because it made me think because of the question marks, I thought Oberon Sexton is the Riddler. Mm. <laughs> Justin, what you say recalls. Oh, it recalls the theme that we touched on multiple times since we've been reading Batman and Robin is like who steps in when the Batman what to fill the void that Batman mm. left. And I feel like Oberon Sexton is behaving in a way a lot a lot like Bruce Wayne, a lot like Batman. He's a detective. He's running around. He's also the grave digger. Like he's bringing Bruce Wayne back. He's trying to uncover that mystery. And I feel like when you take Bruce Wayne off the table, whoever Oberon Sexton might be, he'll no longer be who he is without being in relationship to Bruce Wayne Batman. So he kind of, in a way, becomes Batman. You know, like he, who Oberon Sexton really is, is defined by who Bruce Wayne really is. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't get who he is right. without Batman. So well said for someone who knows the identity of Oberon Sexton. That was, that was good. <laughs> My favorite um, part of Oberon yeah. Sexton, and, and maybe it's a red herring, maybe it's not, he's basically just wearing a really tall turtleneck and sunglasses. So <laughs> he have a, a butt on the back of his neck? Is he Thomas Wayne? Is he Jango Boyd? <laughs> and then we've got the whole, like, Damien's spine is actually Talia. So now he's attacking Oberon with a shovel, and that's no good. And then, you know, Roman's favorite masturbatorial technique kind of comes in to take over Damien as well. But what I need to get at, everyone, is Dick comes out of this sarcophagus thing. So we know that all the underground caves are linked to this grave thing. And he comes out, and he says, Robin, I found it. I found the cool little bat sarcophagus. Cannot wait to find out what's in there. And then Robin swings a shovel at Dick. And hits him and he says, ugh, and he starts to fall down. But what is going on with that bat on his chest? Like, what do we physically think is happening? Like, that scene, it seems to be coming off of his chest. What is it, a physical item? Why? What? Yeah, the, the I've impact. stared at that years ago, and I'm staring at it now. Why is it's that the, the physics? It's issue. It's, like, physically, intentionally drawn throughout the issue, flapping around. Yeah, it's what? in the next panel, even. The, the, his silhouette, when he's falling, the bat wings are, are peeled off of his costume. It's just a different I never, explanation for the physical makeup of the costume than I ever thought. I've ne I've ne why would you make a costume and then like print a separate bat? Yeah, and then uh, sew it on or yeah, something. Yeah. It's got to have a metaphysical meaning that's revealed in the next few issues. The very next, the first page of the next issue has it coming apart like that. That's a great groin shot of him as yeah. well that you're showing. Yeah. Maybe Dick Grayson's got the best groin in the DCU because damn. The best explanation I could come up with is that, like, it's a physical 
like armor or something and like he hit it with a shovel and it like mm-hmm. dented it and therefore the outsides like curved outwards but i think it's a sticker it's just a big old bat sticker. <laughs> He's like, well, I kind of like the idea of being Calvin peeing on a Chevy logo, but I'll take the bat symbol instead. <laughs> and the whole it's time. Just... And after that, Dix, Dix, Dix keeps on thinking to himself, damn Seattle and their cheap ass stickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, inside baseball Seattle humor. <laughs> um, Good one, Roman. Yeah, seriously. And then, yeah, we get the reveal I, I, that Deathstroke's ready to take over the mantle. I didn't, when I was getting into this, I was into Batman, but I was not, you know, a Chuck Dixon head. I didn't read Teen Titans. I didn't really know who Deathstroke was or why this was an impactful reveal. I love that he, that he says permission to terminate because when he was first introduced, he was always known as Deathstroke the Terminator. Mm -hmm. Okay. This gets me real, real uh, horny for this. Um, You know, at one point, Deathstroke and Nightwing appear in the same story arc in two issues apart, or a issue apart. And so for a long time, they tried to make Deathstroke Dick Grayson's Joker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he showed up in Nightwing, and that kind of fell apart after Teen Titans. But the fact that they would, like, hire someone they know can best Dick Grayson for a grudge match got me teen titans horny it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the context of a batman story like let's just get this guy out here and you know but working uh, for talia no less yeah but you know deathstroke he's just a dude for hire and he's down to down to kill a batman he's real good yeah. with video games like this too yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah the last yeah. starfighter batman <laughs> yeah and he, and he was introduced in wolfman and prez's titans run and and dick grayson as robin was like the, the one on the team that gave him the most problems Right. I mean, Nightwing steps in, to de- in that Judas contract yeah. to defeat Deathstroke. So they've got, they hate yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, Beefy history. Yeah, beefed up. And they both so. use sticks to fight yeah. staff. Okay, there's the connective <laughs> tissue that I was looking for. Um, I do, is I think all that, connective tissue. I think that oh. floppy bat's got to have some kind of, some kind of transform, transformative, transformative theme. I think it's got a symbolic... Um, resonance with it as well but it's just funny as a physical like we need oh, yeah. to know <laughs> the bat rising off and as as a new bat is emerging dick grayson is releasing his his holds on being batman because we're starting to figure out bruce coming closer to this physical reality but it's like how do we show that bat sticker while he's down in those <laughs> caves he like his regular bat costume got shredded and he found this this cheap ass costume store batman costume well we don't know why he's all beat up when he comes up is it right. was no. this maybe the after effects of fighting some of the 99 maybe they're beneath the caverns or something mm-hmm. yeah hopefully it'll be revealed in a future issue well i just i'm looking at the final page of the issue we just read and in the the bottom preview panels which we've gone on and all about how much we've loved their their presence especially when we're separated by monthly issues it was so nice to get those three small previews at the end of next time two of those we get oberon sexton's identity being revealed and then we get dr hurt and just the most evil ass iconography you could have he's got like a kkk hood there so it's just like you know let's align him with the most vile ideologies that we can in modern society and i that's isn't that the el penitente head too oh does it yeah, did that shows up earlier? He's wearing that hood. Yeah, he, his guy who says that he's him is wearing that hood. Okay, yeah, but it, but it is very evocative, of course, of the KKK hood. Yeah, and of the old Pope hats. Like it's it's a double 
it's a double ookie ookie. Yeah. Double headed hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this issue's a lot of good stuff in it. Django, how are you feeling about this chunk of the run? It's nice to have you on board. We've recorded, I think, two episodes since you've been on. Uh, you know, how did you feel about Return of Bruce Wayne? I was excited. You had said you wanted to talk about it. Is, is there anything you want to circle back on for a minute about that? Um, I was just surprised at how much that issue kind of felt like it probably ties into Final Crisis. And I guess for listeners of the podcast who are reading along in their books, they've probably just read Final Crisis and have a better a better way of connecting those. But that one felt like it follows up some stuff pretty directly. Um, I, if, if I had been on that episode, I would have wanted to talk a little bit about how they're, the characters are saying that the rocket ship is blue like the sky, but the sky is clearly red like a crisis. That confused me as well. I totally agree. And I thought, is that like a discrepancy in coloring or something? Because the sky is not blue. Or is it that um, we, the readers, are clued into this red crisis sky and the characters aren't? I feel like... meta for you, Django. (laughs) I feel like the red skies are openly talked about during crises, right? Like, even those within the stories know that the sky has turned red. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Also, I'm not even 100% sure that cavemen had a word for blue or could see blue. We so. talked about, yeah, the, the, the language stuff there. But yeah, the, the spaceship, you know, we mentioned is, is because at the end of Final Crisis, you know, as time and reality is collapsing, the only thing that's left is the daily planet and sort of existing outside of a singularity. Mm-hmm. And they create that time capsule to send it to the rebirth of the DC universe, which happens at the end of Final Crisis. So it's a okay. time capsule that's been sent back in time to the beginning of, well, not necessarily back in time, but both back in time slash forward in time because it's the beginning of the the new the rebirth the fifth the fifth world as it's and called which is too close to 5g which is what I was gonna say, is to it do. the fifth g yeah and is the old man an old man from crisis yeah it's the Final crisis in the first issue that's the dude that metron shows up and gives knowledge to so he paints right. that thing on his face yeah. and at the end of final crisis that image is what saves them all and the final page of final crisis is bruce in that cave with anthro as anthro dies and last question regarding that series that that issue was the uh what did you guys decide on the 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 pearl the fake pearl necklace that the guy had that he had like a a necklace of rocks right Mm -hmm. yeah that that belonged to the cave woman martha (laughs) is that actually what she was called did you just make that up i just made that up that was a classic roman joke where he says something that you think is maybe real um (laughs) but yeah i mean to me it spoke to just like how much in that issue even when stripped away from all the canon of batman these metaphorical constants of batman like the boy being recruited or wanting to join up and with the domino mask or using gadgets to solve a problem or defeat an enemy or the presence of a bat just like these hallmarks of the batman mythos are eternal and will always be parts of it but there's definitely not an objective reason for it but yeah yeah i'm excited to have you on a return of bruce wayne issue because those are everyone is so different and they're all you know, beautiful. And I remember all, they all were gratifying and frustrating originally Mm -hmm. because none of them gave me quite as much clarity or answer as I was hoping each one was going to. Yeah. The stories never really give you closure, right? Right. 
he leaves in the middle of the cliffhanger. Speaking of cliffhangers, does anybody have anything? I'm excited to see. I flipped ahead and I see that they're at least down in the bat with that Barbados structured, you know, thing in the next issue of Batman and Robin. So I'm excited uh, next Wednesday to have to have a conversation about that with you boys. Yeah, I I thought it was a good issue. Yeah, this next issue we get a we get uh, knots tied or or you know things close loops closed in the way that things get closed in this kind of story we get the closest thing to closure for some things and that's um, so I'm really excited where yeah. this issue was and where it goes. Yeah, this this issue to me really sort of embodies some of the highest points of the whole run, which is like yeah the giving of mystery. And then the not immediately gratification of giving you the answer, but making you excited to be on the journey of the mystery by posing even more connect. You know, it's like season three of Lost, Django. You know, you feel <laughs> oh, you uh, feel yeah. like you're about to have some stuff, and you're like, wait, it's not Penny's boat. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, made a face tune, like he's never watched the Lost. Tune into our Lost yeah, podcast. We've been doing yeah, an episode by episode rewatch of Lost podcast, which is the main reason that I'm sort of burdened with podcast editing. Is you know <laughs> we're doing six episodes of Lost a week, so and then we take and one I off think, for the Sabbath. I think that for the next season we're gonna just do an episode between commercial breaks, just just to kind of stretch it and take a little bit longer thematically <laughs> yeah, it works with the show <laughs> to honor it yeah um well yeah i love this issue i'm super glad to talk to you guys about it if we don't have anything left oh i have yeah. one last question for Django. Django, do you like the art i like That's a great it question i like it okay okay it feels a little bit stiff at times but i like the detail and i like the cross hatching in it quite a bit um but just from um it did, did he use like uh, a program of posable characters to base the drawings on. I always feel a little bit like that. Kind of a Luna, Luna Brothers sort of vibes to me. I can see a little Luna Brothers in there. I see what you mean. Definitely yeah, not, not a deal breaker cool for me. I love all of the like, like cross hatching without the vertical lines. Like everything's just got like a ton of horizontal lines to do shadow. And, and we've mm -hmm. talked about just like loving. I feel like in this issue that becomes very prevalent. Yeah. yeah, it leg legitimately reminds me of like the things you pose to see how like physical, like the little dolls you pose for drawing. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like those things, it's like it's got a slight stop motion or claymation vibe to it and I'm into it. Yeah, not a, not a, not a bad thing necessarily, but uh, it, it doesn't boost my enjoyment of the art. I like this art more than I've liked um, big chunks of this run for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of cartoony, but I could make a case that Django might think it's okay. <laughs> I I I would say that it's like to, you know, the hierarchy of the artists would be quietly Andy Clark, Cameron Stewart, and then the tan stuff. Yeah, I really like I, I think I would put Cameron Stewart's stuff on this book a little bit above this. Yeah. Um I really enjoyed it. But yeah, this is this is real solid. Good stuff. Well, everybody, well, listen. Um Django, any closing notes you want to send us out? How's your birthday been? Oh man, I, I got a badger to loaf coming up here, but uh, you know I'm sure you guys are, oh. are going to be doing similar. Mm-hmm. Got I got a badger loaf in the freezer. I got to take care of. <laughs> oh yeah, give it the old no. death stroke. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's too tight. It's not gratifying. It's not satisfying at all. You're squeezing too hard. You're so I'm used, used to, to killing with it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a death pull, please. It's a life pull. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, on behalf of Django, Roman, and Justin, I am Jeff. This was Batman in Quarantine episode...
40? Is that what we said? 39? I always say a different one at the end than I say at the beginning. We should all write it down at the beginning of the recording so we'll know at the end. (laughs) Jeff can't hold numbers in his brain. Um, All right, everybody. Well, I'm going to go to a doctor about that at some point, and hopefully we'll all get back together. We'll see you next Monday for Batman's Return of Bruce Wayne, number two, Fraser Irving. I know Jango likes it.